It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. Bible study time. We're about to get into it before we do. As always, Lawson is going to bring us the 400-point question for the quiz, and I'll be bringing you the text messages. Here we go. All right. For 400 points, what city was the birthplace of Paul? 0491-064-669. Is this a 400-point question? The Bible kind of calls him Paul of... Blank, you know, his birthday. I reckon it's birth, a 400 birthplace. point. I reckon producer still is number of times. Man, you guys, you guys are getting it easy today. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. For 100 points, you can win a book from our selection of bargain books. Uh, but again, that question was, what city was the birthplace of Paul? All right. Send us your answer. Uh, text messages. Welcome back, Lawson. You were missed. Ah, Feel better now? Well, I wasn't sick. <laughs> well, I mean, I... Do, do you feel better for having been to Kingscliff yeah, and enjoyed the summer? I, I did enjoy it. That being said, like, I did the majority of the driving there and back. So I'm, like, pretty tired, to be honest. How, but, many, how many of you went up? Uh, four of us. Yep. But, yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. You guys are, I, like, in your 20s. you got yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Nah, I gotta say, cause we got home, cause we did the seven hours and I got home, uh, we got to their place at like 6 p.m., ate some food and then I had to drive another 45 minutes home. And that 45 minutes, like non freeway driving where I actually had to concentrate after seven hours of freeway driving, I was like, I was like, you know, I was pretty, I was eye squinting, like I was, Come on, like I was, I was speaking to myself. Do you guys ever speak to yourself when you drive? I've never done that. Yeah. But when it comes to driving when you're tired, it's like whatever works. Yeah. I, I speak to myself. That's my thing. I'm like, come on, Lawson, you can do this. It's only such and such more kilometers away. So that's, that's what it's I was doing It's the worst last when night. you're close to home, isn't it? Oh, because yeah. if you were still four hours from home, you'd be like, ah, pull over and have a nap. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm driving, I'm driving down my street and my eyes are starting to fail me. I'm like, come on. It's right here. It's right here. Pull in. And, and all you can think about is your bed. And the more you think about your bed, the worse it gets. <laughs> That's right. like my bed is just at the end of the street. I can make it this far. My bed. Oh, my bed. Oh, my pillow. Multiple times, uh, like thinking of my bed and pillow, I still, I pull into the driveway and just fall asleep in my car. <laughs> like that, that, that is a, that is a Lawson classic right there. I've, I've, you know, and I've slept in the car. That wasn't last night. Luckily I got, got in, but yeah, a nice, a nice, uh, nice couple hour nap in the car before I wake up and realize like, oh, I probably should go inside and turn my car off. So we've got some uh, text messages, some more text messages here. Artificial mm. pancreas, now that is good news. Yes. What a relief for diabetics. 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, approximately 1 million Australians have been diagnosed with diabetes, including 130,000 people with type 1. Wow. So this is going to be really sensational for all the, for those 130,000. Mm. Uh, electric power has always been about money. Anyone who came <laughs> up with a cheaper alternative had been bought out and the invention scrapped. Consider the inventor Tesla's. Sad story. Mm. So true. Uh, the Hillsong implosion in Ukraine, and and you know, on that on that subject, this is this is what this is what annoys me. We can get a government rebate to get a lithium battery to provide our power during the night, but we mm. can't get a government rebate to get a windmill or a hydro system for our backyard mm-hmm. to produce power during the night. And lithium is so much worse for the environment <laughs> than a propeller or a hydro system. 
And that's right. And the question is why? Yes. Why not? Because why? money is involved. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the almighty dollar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the Hillsong implosion, Ukraine and travel travelling, speaking pastor from Hillsong to Australia. Um, I can just imagine Jesus demanding a first-class ticket to travel. He walked from place to place. From place to place, mm. pride goes before a fall. Mm. I absolutely, you know, there was an interesting experience that took place during the Great Reformation of the 16th century, where preachers were banned. Protestant preachers were banned for preaching from preaching against the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church was in tremendous need of reform. It had become incredibly corrupt. It had become incredibly wealthy. It had become the prosperity gospel of its mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. It was. It had gone so far that it was selling forgiveness mm-hmm. for cash. You could go and buy forgiveness for a sin with for money. Mm-hmm. And so, in one particular city, I've forgotten the name of the city, but preaching was banned. And so, two artists set up in the I town think square this is in Prague. I think it was in Prague. I yeah. was going to say Prague. I, th- I believe it was in Prague. But these two artists set up and they set their easel up in in the town square side by side. Mm. And they just sat there and started painting pictures. And one painted a picture of Jesus walking along the road in his ministry. Mm. The other, who's painting right beside him, painted a papal procession Mm. with all of its pomp and wealth and display and pride Mm. and arrogance. They didn't say a word. Mm. If somebody came along and said, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm honouring the Pope by painting a nice picture of him. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Well, I'm honouring Jesus by painting a nice picture of him. But painting those two pictures side by side, everybody knew what they were painting. Mm. And that is the picture that is being painted by the prosperity gospel today. Mm. Those, two, two, those two paintings are being painted side by side by the prosperity gospel because we are seeing it. Mm-hmm. We are seeing it in front of our eyes when we flick our TVs on or go on YouTube, wherever it is that we might be you know, watching these particular programs. And the question is, we need to wake up and realise that there is something terribly, terribly, terribly wrong right here. Yeah, I think, I think the big question is, like is, it, like, is it wrong to spend money on the gospel? And the answer is no. Like- no! <laughs> No, let's please spend as much money on the gospel as we can. Exactly, exactly. But it's it's ultimately why are we spending money in churches and in a religious context? Is it to serve God or is it to serve ourselves? That's right. Mm-hmm. And that question is a question we need to answer every time we spend that money. Mm. And because ultimately we'll be accountable to God. Like yes. if this is what you believe, oof, like, yep. Uh, Bible reading fell by 10% in the United States. That's surprising considering the COVID-19 and the fear attached to it. You would think it would drive you to a closer relationship with God, the only one who can actually help you. 25 million people are in lockdown in China due to Omicron. I think the world is going to go in lockdown again. I really hope I am wrong. Normally, 1 plus 1 equals 2. That is not the case today. This is an interesting... I just want to comment on this one because these these statistics really surprised me. And the thing that it really drives home to me, and I'm going to use this in relationship to what's happening in China, is that it illustrates that when God invented the church and when in the book of Leviticus 23, verse 20, verse 3, sorry, mm-hmm. 23, 3, where God says that the Sabbath is a holy gathering together, mm-hmm. that the Sabbath is a time for community, for worshipping corporately, for corporate worship. The word that we use for that today is church. Mm-hmm. 
Sabbath is for church. When you find that Jesus made it his habit, Bible says in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, it was his habit to go to church every Sabbath day in mm-hmm. synagogue. When Paul says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together and more also, in other words, it's going to become more important the closer you see the return of Jesus. When when Paul says this, then it illust- this, these results here illustrate to me so clearly why the Bible says places such an importance on church. Because, you know, so often, you know, you look at what's happening with Hillsong or whatever, and a lot of people have been going to Hillsong Church and been tremendously blessed and given their lives to Jesus Christ, and they have found Jesus, they've found salvation there. And then you have all of this corruption that comes out, and the whole mm. system is imploding and falling apart and collapsing. And people are getting turned off by it, and they're like, well, I'm done with church. I don't need to be a church to be a Christian. Actually, you do. Mm. Because in times of crisis, the churches fill up, except for when you're in lockdown, and then you can't go to church. And when you have a time of crisis, you would expect people to turn more to God. Well, people are turning more to God, Mm -hmm. but people are not doing so in a corporate manner, and their connection with God is disappearing. They are still called Christians, they still have that name, but their Bible reading is a symptom of what has happened with their connection with God. So you would say that, like, in this time of crisis that we've had, because there is, like, a higher, like, push towards individualism, like, or forced individualism, that ultimately, instead of the result being that people find God, the result is that they don't find God and fall away. Yes, and I think that we've seen that, you know, Omicron doesn't require lockdowns here in Mm. Australia. And so in China, it's like, well, you know, they don't like corporate religion. There's one way that they have seen they have the research there available to them to kind of get rid of it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, let's uh, continue on with our Bible study. We'll probably spend a little bit too much time talking about these things, and I know that you want to get into the Bible study. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start here in verse 15. Oh, yes, let's We're go. going to read through to verse 24. And what we noted yesterday, you weren't here, Lawson, but what we noted yesterday that when, was when God started pronouncing his judgments, mm. he begins with the serpent. Yes. And he curses the serpent. Mm -hmm. And he says to the serpent, you will crawl on your belly and eat dust from this point forward. Mm -hmm. Clearly indicating that the snake at one particular point did not crawl on its belly and eat dust, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so when we see a snake today and we see it crawling on its belly, it is a reminder to us of sin and the penalty of sin and a reminder to us that God is going to gain the victory over this, that the seed of the woman, God's church, will crush the head of the serpent because it's Mm -hmm. down there, it's on the ground, you can't get lower than a snake, Mm. as the saying often says. So it's also a reminder to us that Jesus gave his life Mm. and is going to gain the victory over this. And, And it's one of those things where... You know, I think they researchers say the snake is the only creature that doesn't have any evidence of sharing any kind of affection or connection with its owners when it's kept by pets. Now, I know that there are a lot of snake owners out there who would debate that, and that's fine. I don't mind that either which way. 
But we did talk yesterday how we do believe that, yeah, there's a bunch of critters out there that people really don't like and have phobias to, and I think spiders is a very common one, but I think snakes is probably more universal than... It's not universal, but it's probably more universal than pretty much anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. And as a reflection of the curse. Yeah, what a ref- what a what a fantastic um, uh, symbol for sin. Because mm. every time I see a snake, I am freaked out. So, so I'm yeah. like, um, and that has nothing to do with being a Christian. I was freaked out by snakes before I was a Christian because I saw them on the ground, and I was like, D- danger! D- like they're freaky. Yep. But also, you know, a lot of a other nope things rope. freak me <laughs> freak me out. But so so uh, nope. Bro. A nope rope. Yes. Wow, there you go. It's just a rope that you see and you walk away from. Yes, you say no. You see that rope, you say no. You see other (laughs) kinds of rope, it's like, yes, this is no, this is a nope rope. Nope rope. (laughs) That's awesome. But yeah, no, snakes, I'm I'm, I'm good without them anywhere near me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it begins by God cursing the snake. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Satan. Mm-hmm. What gets what happens next? Let's 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 read here beginning in verse 15. Following this in verse 15 it says, "And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel." Okay, so we've got a curse on the snake right here. We've got a curse on Satan as well because a death sentence is pronounced on Satan. Let's continue on and let's see what the next sentence pronounced is in verse 16 the bible says then he said to the woman i shall sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in in pain you will give uh birth and you will desire to control your husband but he will rule over you all right so there's a interesting kind of uh sentence that is pronounced here Mm -hmm. is the woman cursed um well she now is in tremendous Pain when giving birth, but the woman is not cursed like the snake is cursed. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like uh, mm. you know God comes along to the snake and says, "Okay, you're cursed." The woman is not cursed. Let's yeah. read about the man because he cops it as well. It says, "And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you." Okay, what's what's cursed here? Is is Adam cursed? No, no. The ground is. The ground is cursed. Mm. Keep reading. What happens to it? It continues on. It says, The ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you uh, were made from dust, and to the dust you will return. Okay, so this is interesting. We could argue that the process of childbirth receives a curse. Yep. The Bible clearly says that the ground receives a curse, mm-hmm. but the people don't. Mm. Why don't the people receive a curse? I mean, they are the ones that sinned. Mm. Why don't they receive a curse? Wouldn't you say like they're kind of already inherently receiving a curse, like the penalty of sin, which is death. Death. They're going to die, which is a curse in and of itself. But you could imagine, you know, God has just created these two perfect beings and Mm -hmm. they've they've just stuffed up epically. He Mm -hmm. turns around and he curses the snake. He's like, yep, you're cursed. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to be a a symbol of Satan. And he curses Satan. He's like, yep, 
you're going to be crushed by the the seed of the woman. Mm-hmm. And you would expect him then to continue on to the two people who just messed up and it's like, okay, uh, you guys are, uh, you know, and just list something off. Certainly they are under the penalty of death and they are going to die. But rather than giving a curse, what God does is give a promise. Mm. Right when you would expect him to give a curse, he's like, your descendants, your descendant will crush the serpent's That's head. That's right. And destroy Satan who has destroyed this world and has destroyed your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways you could say he curses the ground, he curses the process of childbirth, he curses the serpent, he curses Satan, and he gives a promise to the two people. Mm-hmm. How does he do that? Why can he do that? I mean, isn't that isn't that incredibly corrupt? I mean, you think about it, if you had a law here on this earth and the law had been broken and there are several people involved in the breaking of that law, they've been working in concert with each other, they come before the judge and the judge, you know, gives a couple of them, you know, some curses and then the other ones he gives a promise, mm. a promise of good things. Mm-hmm. Would that be seen as being just? Well, I think about it like this. I think about it like this, right? So you, you have this situation. Let's say there's a group of uh, gang members, okay, and they're all taken to jail. Uh, well, they're all, you know, they've they've done a crime, they've been caught, they've been found guilty. Um, and then one of the gang members uh, says, okay, I will give up information on the, you know, the larger overall gang. Uh, and in return for that information that I give up, um, I, you know, the usually they're rewarded for giving away that information um, by basically receiving, you know, a, a lightened sentence or whatever it may be. As we said, humanity is already receiving a curse. Um, but I believe because humanity has the capacity um, to come back, they receive the opportunity to do so. They receive this promise, just like you know the uh, the gang member would received a, would have received a, a lighter sentence for giving up information. Now they would only offer the gang member that deal because he has the capacity to do that. Um, and because it serves the overall good and the purpose of what they do, they're doing and what's taking place. And I know that this example doesn't fit fit completely, but ultimately, humanity is in the position where we've done a crime. We've broken the law. Um, but God can see us as people, yeah, having the capacity to, to come back, to choose him, to be changed. And so, therefore, like, he is offering us that ability that is like because that is the purpose of the promise what is the purpose of the promise i'll crush the snake sin won't will no longer exist we have the capacity to be able to actually to make that decision um at this point satan doesn't and it's and the question is why and, and the answer is oh well because he had every opportunity and he didn't take it um and he never will take it um but we do so god isn't necessarily playing favor favorites but he's identifying um that we are in this situation the only ones with the capacity to make that decision. And so he gives us that offer. He says, hey, you have a way out of this. You have a promise to overcome this. Absolutely. Mm. Love that. Let's go to Galatians 3 and verse 13, and this I think will just go along perfectly with what you've just been saying there, Lawson. Um, 
Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to look in verse 13. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, as I find it. Oh, here we go, finally. Uh, Galatians 3 and verse 13, the Bible says this, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took him upon himself the curse of, for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the Scriptures, Curses everyone who will hang on the tree. Absolutely. So the serpent was cursed, childbirth was cursed, the ground was cursed, but when it came to us, Jesus took the curse. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. As we delve into Genesis chapter 3, right now we have the 500-point question. This is the big one. All right, for 500 points. Uh, in a vision, Ezekiel was taken on a high mountain. There he saw a man with the appearance of brass. In one hand, he held a line of flax. What tool did he have in the other hand? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. And our 500-point uh, quiz prize is the book actually from our interview today, Outside the Gate by David Edgren, uh, the, the story all about Rhoda. Yes. Mm. Oh, awesome. We're giving this one, one away today. This is yes. very cool. Yes. So if you know the answer, again, this question was, I'll give it to you again. In a vision, Ezekiel was taken up on a high mountain. There he saw a man with the appearance of brass. In one hand, he held a, uh, a line of flax. What tool did he hold in the other hand? If you know what that tool is, then you can win this book completely for free. You just have to know the answer to the quiz. 0491 And you can win this amazing book, Outside the Gate by David Edgren. Fantastic stuff. All right, give us a call right now if you would like your copy. Of course, this book is for children, uh, grade three, four, five children, thereabouts. And so you can uh, share that with your children, with your own children, with your grandchildren, with your friends' children. With uh, If you're a child, then you can call through and answer the question and win it yourself. <laughs> yes, children, call in. Get, get it done. Answer these by and, and Show for, the adults for, up. For any child who is out there who would like a copy of this book, we encourage you to use your research tools available to you, mm-hmm. whether it be a screen or, well, could be even just going and just, searching. Just a real Bible. Just sit down with Ezekiel and read it yep. from cover to cover. It's, Ezekiel's only mentioned in you will, you will one book. The, you will find the answer there <laughs> Probably somewhere. in the book that he wrote. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. So we were reading from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Yes. And we were noticing that here in the Garden of Eden, this is what God does. God curses the serpent, mm. the snake. He curses Satan. He pronounces pain or a curse on the process of childbirth. He curses the ground. Mm -hmm. And then the Bible says in Galatians 3 and verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Mm. Because it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So God curses the serpent. He curses Satan. He curses the process of childbirth. He curses the ground. And then where the people should be cursed, Adam and Eve should be cursed, what does God do? He curses himself. Mm. He steps into our place. Yes. And he curses himself. Mm. And he places himself under the curse. And he takes the penalty of death for us. Mm. That's a really powerful thought that is coming out of Genesis chapter 3 here. Where did we get up to while we were reading that through? I believe we got to verse 18. 18. 18. Yeah, like the end 
of the curses. Yes, but I think thorns also and thistles will it bring forth to you. You shall eat the herb of the field. Uh, verse 19, I think mm. we read that one as well. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. Mm. And that's pretty much, you know, we would all like to work less hard. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we all work hard. <laughs> Correct. Okay. And so- we also will die. That's right. We we come from dust, we go to dust. And it's interesting that, you know, research has shown, you know, just in relationship to men, mm-hmm. that all of the people on earth only come from half of the men that have ever existed. DNA research has proven this. Okay. And so, so what, what happened to the rest what, of the dudes? What that means is that, well, men have a much higher uh, risk factor. mm so men go to war, men do the dirtiest jobs, uh, men do the most dangerous jobs, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, they've found that that's created a massive attrition rate amongst men so that all of the people on earth come from half of the men that have ever lived. Mm. Why is that? It's a part of this curse right here. I don't know which pool I want to be a part of because, you know, obviously there would be there is the allure to the allure to uh, being a part of the group that passes on, you know, their gene pool. At the same time, there also is the allure to just being a gnarly dude and and just like doing living on the crazy edge. things and just and you well, know, we know where you've been up until this particular point. The question is, do you stay there or do you like? I'm going to become a family man. Yeah, that's right. That's like if if you because I, you wouldn't want to like become one of those men that make that take crazy unnecessary risks and live on the edge if you have a family because you have to support that family. Like that's that's really irresponsible if you do both at the same time. So I'm I kind of in a position right now where I'm looking. I'm like, which path do I want to go down to? Do I want to be in the one fifty percent which contributes to the gene pool, or the other fifty percent which uh, uh, actively does not? Do I can that? see you. I can see you. Um I can see you going the, down the down the path of having some little Lawsons right now. <laughs> I oh, by the way, I know we're kind of off track. I am going to name my child like if I have a son, they're going to be named Lawson. That's cool. Lawson the second, Lawson Junior, hundred percent. A Lawson is a fantastic name, and I, I believe so. So I'm going to have a Lawson Junior. So my nephew's name is uh, Frederick. Yeah, Frederick Peepenbrock. I think the eighteenth. If the eighteenth. Frederick so you can start that. Oh, yes. So it's one thing to be a descendant, but you can actually be an ancestor. That's right. Which is cooler than being a descendant. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Uh, Raphael says, we will have to wait till we get to heaven to read the books to see the oh yeah the, the real story. That was in relationship to um, something else, which I will get to if we get time mm-hmm. later. Anyway, uh, let's go to... Verse 20. Okay, in verse 20, the Bible says, Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all who lived. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. God has been going down through these curses. Mm-hmm. This is this, these are the judgment. This is what is happening. These are the consequences. He's going down through the consequences. And so he curses the snake. He curses Satan. He curses the process of childbirth. Uh, he curses the ground and he curses himself. Mm. Where does Adam immediately turn to as a result of God pronouncing these judgments? His wife. His wife. And what does he name her? 
Eve. Why? Because she would be the mother of everyone because who lives. she's going to be the mother of everybody who lives. Why is it that Adam immediately turns to his wife when God pronounces these judgments and note that she's going to be the mother? Oh, this is an interesting thought. This is, I, think I, I think I know what you're thinking, right? Yeah. Because there would be one who would come from them who would save them. Yes. So so immediately they're like, let's give birth to the Messiah? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's the thing. When God, when God says all of this stuff here, Adam immediately understands what God has said. Mm-hmm. And so he immediately turns to Eve because that is the source of... She is the source of salvation. Mm-hmm. Through her and through her descendants is the source of salvation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you could say, well, you know, we've got sin here. It's going to be a problem. Let's uh, just not go there. But then he recognizes, okay, God has instituted a plan right here. And God has said that that plan will come through my descendants. And so, therefore, that plan is now reliant on my wife, Eve. And so, up until this point, he's named all of the animals. Mm. He doesn't have a name. Yep. She's just she's just the woman. Mm-hmm. And he's happy with that. He just loves her. But now he's like, no, I'm going to give her a name. I'm going to call her Eve, which means the mother of all living, because that name is going to be a perpetual reminder of the plan of salvation every time mm. somebody hears that particular name. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to have question of the day. We've got a few text messages here that we have not had time for yet, but we will get to them in just a moment. But before we do, we have answers for the quiz. All right, for 100 points, the answer was love. For 200 points, Esau. 300 points, the answer was bricks. For 400 points, Paul was from Tarsus. And finally, for 500 points, uh, what was the thing that the brass man was holding in his hand? A measuring rod or reed. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine was the number to call um, if you knew those answers correctly. Um, and it's also the number to call or text if you have a question of the day, which we will uh, do right now. Question of the day. All right, well, our question of the day is, in Mark chapter 7, 14 to 19, um, is Jesus declaring all foods are clean? Um in the caption in the Bible, this is from Freco, his Bible, apparently in the in the caption in the references, it says it says so. Okay, the caption is clearly wrong. And it's really easy to see that it is wrong. Okay. Because if Jesus was talking about uh, clean and unclean foods right here, for, for instance, pork, which he says, don't eat it, don't touch it, it's unclean. If Jesus was saying, well, now pork is good for you, you can go ahead and eat it, then years later... When Peter has the vision of the sheet with the animals in it that are unclean animals, why does Peter say, I've never eaten anything unclean? I wouldn't even think of it. Wow. Why? Wow. Okay. Yep. So clearly the notes are wrong. And this is one of the you know the challenges with notes in your Bible. I like Bibles with notes in them. Mm-hmm. But they are not the Bible. Mm-hmm. They are commentary on the Bible. And because they are commentary on the Bible, people sometimes get them wrong. Why would 
Decades later, Paul said that there were meats that were created to be received. Mm -hmm. If there are meats that are created to be received, then the opposite is also the case. Paul is showing that there is, when he says there are meats that have been, or foods that have been created to be received, he's showing that there are more than one class of meats or foods. Clearly there are two, those to be received, those not to be received. And he goes on to state that those that are to be received are those that are sanctified or set apart for a holy use by the word of God. If you want to find out where those foods are set apart by the word of God, read Leviticus chapter 11. The answer is right there. Okay, and we could look at verse after verse after verse. We could go to Isaiah um, and people are going, oh, but that's the Old Testament. Yes, but Isaiah speaks about the New Testament. Let's see what it says about New Testament experiences. Isaiah chapter 66, and we're going to start reading in verse 15 where the Bible says, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with chariots and a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Does that happen to the Old Testament church? No, that happens to the New Testament church. What does it say when Jesus returns like that? Those New Testament church Christians that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. So clearly... The note in your Bible, Freco, there is wrong. Sorry to disappoint you. I think probably your notes are going to be great for the most part, but that one is very, very wrong. Okay, so the question we're going to have to ask ourselves at this particular point in relationship to uh, Mark chapter 7. Let me flick back over to Mark chapter 7 very quickly. We'll, we'll read what the Bible says here in verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Listen unto me, every one of you, and understand there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are though are they which defile uh, the man. Okay, so you can look at this from a physical perspective or from a moral perspective. And let's see whether it makes sense. Does it make sense when Jesus says, there is nothing that can go into your mouth that will defile you? Does that actually make sense from a physical perspective? That, are there things that can go into your mouth that can defile you? Yes. yes, there are lots of things. We <laughs> understand that. Mm -hmm. There are things out there that will defile you so much they will kill you yeah. if you eat them. So when the Bible says too much, it kind of says nothing. Uh, and here it says too much because Jesus is very, very clearly trying to point out, I am not speaking physically here, I'm speaking morally. And he says the only things that can defile you are those that come out of the man. Mm. All right, so if something defiling comes out of a human being, then put that same thing into a human being, that's going to be defiling. Mm -hmm. And so it creates a circular system that cancels it out if you are speaking from a physical perspective. Clearly Jesus here is speaking of a moral perspective. Mm -hmm. It is not the information that goes into you that defiles you as much as the information that comes out of you. Are you, you can hear all kinds of things in your life, but what kind of things are you going to speak? You can hear untruths but you cannot get away with speaking untruths. We had a, a couple of text messages come through that we didn't quite have time to cover, but there were some really good thoughts here. Uh, Chris says, what about a sea snake? It doesn't crawl on its belly or the ground. Or a tree snake? I think the, I think the principle still applies. <laughs> it doesn't have a means of transport other than, you know, it doesn't have legs or wings. Mm. And I think that was what God was talking about. Mm -hmm. Yes, you mm -hmm. got us on that one. Sea snakes crawl on the surface of the water and sometimes underneath, which is, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 don't, you know, they, don't, have, they don't have wings or, mm -hmm. or, 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 or feet or legs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Sky says, love the, love the part about talking to yourself while driving. <laughs> I was driving all year. Wanted to say, yes, I often talk to myself, driving or not. Feels that way with my son. Selective, <laughs> selective listening. That's awesome. And let me see here. Bruce has this to say. Thoughts from Bruce. Uh, God is a God of grace. He will make, we all make mistakes, but if we acknowledge our sins, he gives grace freely to pardon. Uh, God on the first day of creation separated the light from the darkness. If he hadn't, darkness would have, if he hadn't, darkness would have ceased to exist. Even Satan and the angels were offered grace and God's desire to bring us all to the light. Mm. And don't forget as you go through this day to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.